but I'm quote able-bodied and um, those guys, they're not. And so when they share and say, dream and do it, and the parents get to see that and the caregivers get to see that and the kids get to actually not just dream, but do it and play on a field and, and get to hit a ball and get to swing the bat and get to hit off a tee and all the little things that they get to do, these little skills that we take for granted, um, they get to be inspired toward who knows what their dream's going to be. But we want them to follow that dream as, as far and high as they can. Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, the place where we help entrepreneurs to not hate their boss. Our mission is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. My name is Robert Peterson, former passer turned CEO and the smiling coach. I believe that success without happiness is failing, but there is hope. Join us each week as we bring you an inspiring leader or message to help you. Thanks for investing time with us today. Our guest today is an author, speaker, and former college athlete. He's the director of the Disability Dream and Do Sports Camps, created with Dave Clark. In college, Doug Cornfield was a top contender in track and field and scholarship athlete at the University of Georgia. His professional experience includes time spent in both the family entertainment industry and as a senior financial advisor for Merrill Lynch. Most recently, he partnered with Dave Clark to organize their company and run D3 Day events where the duo create opportunities for children and young adults with special needs to interact with professional sports players and compete with no limitations. Doug is married to Jackie and their family includes seven children, one of whom was born with no arms and five grandchildren. Doug Cornfield talks about selling seeds, shoveling snow, and selling apples to make money as a kid, and then learning sales as an adult selling sporting goods. Doug's child was born with no arms, so when he had the chance to work with the Dave Clark Foundation, he jumped at it. He now helps Dave share his story and run camps for kids with disabilities across the country. If you're an entrepreneur who started their business with a purpose and a passion that has been lost in the busyness of the daily grind, we get it. That is why we've opened up our free strategy calls. A lot of entrepreneurs, probably including you, just want a sense of clarity on the barriers holding them back that you need to overcome in order to accelerate your growth and achieve your dreams. These short 30-minute calls give you a chance to work with one of our coaches without any commitment or pressure. Scheduling is easy. Just go to smilingcall.com. Let's jump on a call and get you the help and clarity you need. Select a time and let's build your business. It's time for you to add value. Well, Doug, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. We appreciate you. We appreciate Dave Stevens for uh, introducing us. And, you know, one of our goals is to, to continue uh, giving a voice to the voiceless. And I know that's a big part of your mission. And so yeah. we want to definitely you know, spend this conversation um, getting the voice out there and, and the message out. And so we appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can add value uh, to this podcast since it's an add value and and just have great conversation and get to know you guys a little bit better as well. would be awesome. Absolutely. Well, we always start each show with with our entrepreneurs, our directors sharing their entrepreneurial journey. And so if you'd uh, share your journey, that's what what's led you to uh, 
D3 day and, and, and the work that you're doing. So I thought you said this was supposed to be less than 45 minutes. Yeah, well, so. you'll, you'll have to give us the, 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 uh, I'll give you the abbreviation. I mean, you know, my entrepreneurial day started when uh, I looked, I was probably in second grade, third grade. We lived out in the country and uh, there was a little thing in those magazines back when we were kids in elementary school and you could sell something and make some money. And uh, lo and behold, there was a thing where we could get 50 packets of seeds and sell those seeds. And, nice. and I remember getting 50 packets of seeds and coming home like an hour later. And my mom asked me, why did you give up so soon? I said, I didn't give up. I sold everything. And, you know, I had sold all 50 packets. And, and we lived in the middle of nowhere. You know, it was a quarter of a mile to the next house. And so I'm running from house to house getting basically everybody's buying three or four packets of seeds. And I'm, my box is done. You know, I literally sold every box or every every packet of seed that I had. And and, you know, and that was just kind of the normal for us. We'd shovel snow, we, you know, to make some money. Uh, we sold apples. We had ac access to an apple orchard. And so you flash forward. My dad was in sales and probably one of the biggest impacts. You know, we are our, our podcast is called Pulling Each Other Along. And so if I can give some kudos to my father, uh, my father was in the sporting goods sales industry. Um, he had owned a sporting goods store, had a fire, lost that store uh, when I was very young, um, became a manager at some country clubs and different things, which moved us to the running Pennsylvania area. And then dad got uh, some jobs as a, as a sporting goods salesman, a traveling sporting goods salesman, which basically spent the rest of his life um, doing. And so part of my training in the summers is he would, I would go with him on some trips. We'd go to the Philadelphia area, we'd go to the Pittsburgh area, we'd go to New York, and no matter where we go, because we're from Philadelphia, mm -hmm. uh, he would time it when the Philadelphia Phillies were in town at the nice. different towns that we were playing, that we were that he was selling at. But the ingenious thing that my father did, so here I'm a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy, and my father figured out a way to pull me into his sales presentations. Nice. So here at 10, 11, and 12 years old, I'm sharing, I'm selling, basically helping him sell a three, $400 stopwatch. Cause that's how much the mechanical stopwatch, the first digital stopwatch is where my father was like a leading salesperson in the country for a, a stopwatch called Cronus. <laughs> and, and so I'm sitting here, I have this three, $400 computer in my hand as a fifth grader. And people are like, how do you use this thing? And of course I'm, I figured it out in three seconds. And so I'm telling them how easy it is. And so my father utilized me, but here I'm giving sales presentations to these people that are grown men and learned how to do that in a natural way uh, at a very, very young age. And so that, you know, for me is, is been something I've never been afraid to speak in front of people. I've never been afraid to go out and share a product or a service. And, uh, and that stayed with me basically my whole entrepreneurial life. That's fantastic. I remember my, my sister and I both became competitive swimmers and uh, she went on and competed in the Olympic time trials even, but we were, we went from, you know, the, the stopwatch that just went, you know, <laughs> round and round the old with mechanical three, stopwatch with, yeah. with three needles to, to stopwatches that could do, you know, lap times and, and, you know, mom and dad serving as, as timers and always buying the next, the next, the next stopwatch that could, you know, get the more accurate times. And then of course they, they finally switched to the digital pads that, you know, right, right. started with the gun and, and 
the touch wall basically stops sure, the timers sure. automatically, but it was uh, always quite a process. Right. So the technology age that, that basically my father was a part of that growth was going from the mechanical watch to the digital watch that could do splits and they could get uh, down to the hundredth of a second. It was still a hand time, you know, which is all changed in the track world with automatic timing and, and um, picture timing and all the things that they have now. Yep. So we caught that middle, that middle yeah. ground. Um, so I'm a 12, 13 year old at big meets like the pen relays. And I'm literally telling these elderly gentlemen that have been around track their whole life. I'm a 12 year old kid telling them and instructing them how to use these new watches. <laughs> that was my experience as a young child. But how, how empowering is that, that your dad believed in you and, and, and was, you know, Instead of keeping you in the, the passenger seat, just say, hey, stay in the car, you know, or, you know, hey, keep your mouth shut. Instead, he's he's pushing you out in front of him and saying, hey, tell tell the story. Hey, show him show him how it works. Right. Um, that that empowerment is is pretty meaningful. A absolutely. You know, it was uh, I'll never forget it. You know, it's one of the ways that my dad mentored me um, in sales. You know, he was a great world class runner as well. And and um you know, and so it's it's all those little things, but you know, being around those people and and even today, because what where that brings me to today, where we're around, you know, Tim, the Tim Tebow's at time, and we're around celebrities, and and I just treat them like every other person. I don't treat them like they're a celebrity, um, because they are. They're just another person. Yeah, they've had some extreme successes. They might be more well known, but they're just people. And uh, and being around and even meeting people like Jesse Owens when I was a child. Wow. Uh, now, I did have probably my eyes pop out about him uh, when I found out it was Jesse Owens. And, you know, because he was an older elderly man when I met him and uh, he signed his autograph. And it wasn't until he signed his autograph that I knew why my dad wanted me to get his autograph. Wow. Uh, so, you know, so it was things like that. But, you know, the Bruce Jenners were there when he was still Bruce and, <laughs> and you know, the all the different things of the people that I met that were celebrities, mostly in the track world, but in other sports as well. And and so not, you know, not getting all googly eyed when I see a celebrity, you know, we just treat them like people. So so let's dig into now what, what you are doing today and, and what's you know led you to 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 to, to this work. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, um, several different things that I've done through the 90s. Um, and then pretty much it was pseudo uh, entrepreneurial. I partnered with my brothers at uh, Merrill Lynch for years in Corning, Corning, New York. And we ran that. It's kind of like a small market office. So that was like you were entrepreneurial, but you were still had the big corporation, you know, hanging over your head. So not a, not 100% entrepreneurial, I would say. And uh, but it, it's it's what moved me and my family from Atlanta to back up to the Northeast. And then and then I met this guy and read about him all the way back to 2020 in an article. Um, this guy that played professional baseball on crutches. And I'm like, what and who and, and all those kind of things that were going through my brain. But one of the reasons it, it pointed and, and stabbed me in the heart so critically is not that he was from Corning, New York, where I was moving my family is that I had a child who was born with no arms. And so here I have this little boy who's born with no arms, and I'm reading about this guy who played professional baseball on his crutches and was getting the Heroes of Sports Award, you know, by all the ESPN guys in Atlanta. And lo and behold, I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I got to meet that guy. His name's Dave Clark. And if you've never heard his story, you really need to go 
check out his story, Dave Clark, and go listen to his TEDx uh, pulling each other along speech or something. And uh, but, you know, I reached out to him. And so that's obviously a big change in life when you meet somebody like that. And, and I got to know him over the years. He became a client of mine, he became, you know, went over dinner, all those things. And you just fast forward that. And when I really found out about his life story, um, I wanted to help him promote it. You know, there was just something that was inner inside me that people need to hear this story. Dave Clark was doing things long before it became popular. It was actually scorned. For him to play professional baseball, he had crowds throwing food out on the field, saying things that you can't say on a podcast like this unless you want to bleep me out. I mean, I mean, he was a Jackie Robinson. I mean, really, for the disability for a, community for a different just, community, and and he was taking he was taking a lot of lumps because uh, I think just like Jackie Robinson, it wasn't accepted. It was. It was something's, you know, you're There's not a strong correlation as... to that. It's, it wasn't skin color. It was disability. Right. And the only difference is Dave didn't make it to the bigs as a player. Um, he made it to the minor leagues, but he would go into minor league stadiums where they'd be saying, knock the cripple starts with a B out. And, um, you know, and the whole crowd would get involved and be jeering uh, Dave Clark trying to pitch and, and play and perform on crutches. And it would be big crowds. You know, we're not talking about 100 people. We're talking about five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people jeering and throwing food on the field. And, um, you know, and he's got all those kind of stories to share and tell. And, and, and even his own teammates at times, you know, they didn't treat him very well in the beginning, he would say. And coaches, uh, he didn't get a promotion one time because a coach didn't want him to go up to the next level. And the coach said he wouldn't coach him. <laughs> it was either him crazy. or him. Yep. So different day of what people are experiencing today in the disability community, which is, I'm not saying that's a bad thing by any means, but he had to fight through all that stuff. And it's, it's a wonderful story to tell. Um, and we're in that process, you know, we're still in that process of getting his story out there, but really our heartbeat, uh, because when Dave and I created a partnership and we had our first real business meeting, together and just saying, okay, what does this look like? Um, I had gotten to experience a camp that Dave was doing for kids with special needs in Florida with the Minnesota Twins and their minor league team, but at the spring training facility. So this is a cool event. Families are able to participate in baseball with pro athletes on the field, uh, throwing, kitchen, catching, hitting, you know, batting, running bases, all the stuff, and with the professional team. You know, nice. with these young professional athletes, so much energy, so much life, so much uh, enjoyment. And I saw this event and kind of, you know, half participated as a volunteer the first time. And when Dave and I shortly had a meeting after that, he goes, Doug, you know, I love what you're trying to do with a movie and documentaries and children's books and speaking events and all that kind of stuff. He said, but what I really, really, really want to do is I want to do more sports camps for kids with limitations. And so I said, okay, let's figure it out. And even though I really didn't know much, um, I started pursuing a camp here in the Corning area. And so we reignited a camp uh, here many years ago now, uh, asking people to join us. And um, we wound up the next year, I gave it a name, Disability Dream Day at first. And it's still D3. I started calling it D3 Day. 
And before you know it, we won some awards or were nominated for some awards, those kind of things. And then I started approaching other teams and other teams started bringing us in. And, and then the problem became, it wasn't 20 or 30 kids coming. It was 80, hundred kids coming and we're feeding all these people. We're giving them t-shirts, we're giving them hats. And we're like, okay, our pockets are getting tight. How do we fund this? You know? And so all of those kind of things, you know, you, you, it's a good problem, but it still creates a problem. And, and, uh, and before you know it, we were doing eight or 10 of these events a year, you know, funding it completely on our own entrepreneurial efforts. You've mentioned a lot of people you've met over the years in different situations. How valuable are those connections? Uh, you know, some of them are just, you know, one off, you know, where you meet people and some of them are extremely valuable, you know, where and it's it's usually the ones that surprise you. The ones that you think, oh, this person could really help you. You know, oftentimes that's not what works out. And then the ones that you do meet um, are the ones that surprise you. And, and I, I could give examples of that. There's a, a lady that's a quadriplegic down in Florida. Her name is Rose. And um, Rose met Dave. And then Dave said, oh, you need to talk to Doug. And so I talked to her. And, you know, and Rose, she doesn't have a lot of money. She has her own home. But, she, you know, when I'm down in Florida, she lets me stay there. So I don't have the expense of travel. I've got my own little room. Um, she supports her camp. She's constantly talking us, you know, up. She's, you know, she's gotten us speaking events just by talking us up, nice. you know, and it's those kind of gems that actually are the ones that seem to mean almost as much or more to us because the, the oftentimes the people that can just easily write the check, they might say they want to help you, but they often don't. Yeah. The help so, with the check, but then not with the time or referrals or. Yeah, it can be, it can kind of go both ways or people say, oh yeah, yeah I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. And then they don't answer your texts or calls. <laughs> you know, so, there. Yeah. 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 You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of our way. And it's one of the reasons we created our own products to sell so that we didn't have to be beholden to those people and we created a, basically a business to support the camps. Um, and that was kind of our entrepreneurial drive um, through, through 2020 and then we had that kind of on all cylinders. Um, speaking events started increasing. A movie deal was signed. You know, all those kind of things, you know, were happening. Uh, and then we hit this big thing called COVID or the response to COVID. That, um, yeah, you know, what I say, it either stop the train, put the train on its side for a little while. And now we're trying to push the <coughs> back up on the tracks and uh, and get the gas going again. And so you had to make some, we're making pivots. And that's what entrepreneurs do when you're really talking about add value is when you hit the brick wall, what do you do next? And uh, we kind of hit a brick wall and we're, okay, what do we do next? But somehow with limited funds, limited fundraising, limited teams to work with, we were still able to do about five events a year in 2021, wow. 2020, 2021, 2022, where we were much higher than that. And we, and we want to get much higher than that. The vision is much greater than than just doing 10 or 12 events a year. So, so what does 23 look like so far? So far, big pivot, um, heading out to Utah actually next week for a podcasters event, uh, uh, that are doing our own podcast. So if you want to go to the pulling each other along podcast, we just broke, uh, we're in the top 1% of all podcasts right now. Our numbers are growing significantly. We're getting great guests. Um, actually amazing guests. I call it, we're getting the best guests in the world and we really are. We're just getting great people. Dave Clark, Dave Stevens and I, we kind of co-host that uh, together. Nice. It's different. You know, sometimes just me, sometimes one of the days, sometimes it's both days, you know, it's, it's different. Both Dave's would be tough. 
Well, it, it actually, how would you get a? You wouldn't get a word in edgewise. Nah, we're pretty good. I mean, we try to make it about our the people that you know we're interviewing. So we let them, you know, we let them talk. As a much different D three. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so we had that podcast going, the pulling each other along podcast. It's growing significantly. Our downloads are about five thousand a month um, at this point, which is more than what most podcasts are getting. So we're going to try to monetize that to help fund the camp. And then a big pivot instead of trying to sell 10,000 jars of honey this year to support the camps, um, we're, we're, we're bringing in partners, you know, so I've got an event coming up, uh, that I'll be hopefully promoting here very soon, working with an event promoter, um, looking for partners, looking for people to come in and be, um, you know, our national partners. We'll have a couple of different levels and really going after that for the first time. But it's so different now because now we have content we can share. Uh, we have a track record of doing these events and not that I need to be boastful. Um, but one of the things we do really, really, really well is our camps and, uh, we want to do more of them. And so we're looking for partners to partner in that and give them something that's also going to help increase their businesses at the same time. So they're not just getting a, a logo on the back of the t-shirt and they're not just getting, uh, something that they can say, oh, that was great, uh, but I didn't get any ROI. We we want to help promote promote and, and produce ROI for our uh, clients and businesses as well. In the same level, they're also doing a great thing. So taking ROI and doing great with it. So taking those marketing dollars and doing some good. I like it. Obviously, it costs money to do all these things, and <laughs> and 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 the people that you're working with, um, obviously their their ability to invest for themselves is you know is limited and so i think it's usually you know, extremely limited like even if there's parking to be paid for right. that can be a hindrance for somebody to come to our event yeah and so i think trying to knock knock those hurdles down with partners with sponsors with, with people with resources that that can support and and you know want to encourage these camps want to encourage the outcome that these camps are having um, can be so important and so i definitely see see the value in that so what's been the impact of of the podcast obviously it's growing obviously you you're you're looking at monetizing yeah. it now but but what's been the impact up till this point so so when we first did it it was live on facebook um we would do a live thing it was just us having fun you know what do we do and i was also trying to promote my new book pulling each other along so I was interviewing a lot of the chapters. If you're not familiar with that book, if this is a video, which it looks like it is, I've got a book called Pulling Each Other Along. Terry Bradshaw wrote the foreword for this book. Nice. Um, of course, I'm a little biased, but this is an amazing book. It's really, really good. 31 stories of kindness of mostly athletes in the disability world that we've come in contact with in the past, talking about their story of what pulled them along in their life's journey. So if you need inspiration, pullingeotherlong.com or on Amazon, those kind of things. And so we were doing this podcast, live podcast, interviewing the Rocky Blyers and the and the, the the different people, the John and Mark Cronin, and all these people from our podcast that were on there, uh, Lauren Lieberman, and some of these great stories, Dave Stevens, obviously, and whatever, and uh, just having fun with them, you know. But then, it, it, you know, it was kind of almost a silly thing. We were doing football predictions and all that kind of stuff because we're dumb athletes, you know, for the most of us, and um, and people were watching it, you know, but. Uh, but I didn't know how to monetize it. it. You know, this is a new world for people our age. Oh, you know, what's a podcast? You know, how do you how do you put all this time into production and then make it valuable for our goal, which is to do more sports camps? And so um, 
actually the beginning of this past year, 2022, now that we're in 2023, um, I got in, invited to a group of podcasters with Josh Tapp. And Josh Tapp said, all right, you need to come into our group. And, and he's just been an invaluable help through uh, what we call the Pantheon. It's a group of podcasters. And so that's something um, that if you want to reach out to and learn more about, it's just been amazing. A uh, group of people connecting. And Josh has been a mentor also to help me, you know, kind of, all right, let's restructure what you guys are doing. Great, but let's get this thing fully funded. And so that's kind of been our pivot. So 2023 is, um, you know, we have some, we have some camps that are already on the schedule. Um, I'll be looking to add more camps, but you have to kind of gingerly do that as you have funding, you know, right. we kind of take these steps. Uh, we'll typically, it's not a, there's not a date set yet, but we'll do, um, uh, likely we'll do our camp with the Minnesota Twins at uh, Fort Myers, Florida, although it just had that hurricane, you know, so there's all, there's all sorts of hurdles different there. Um, we already have a hockey camp set up because we primarily have done baseball and hockey. It's like a street hockey event, but a very similar type of style of camp. We're doing that here um, closer to town in upstate New York and Elmira, the Corning, New York area. Uh, we'll do our Corning camp. Uh, we're already signed up for the Yankee camp, which is we're brought into their Heroes Week. If they have this big week that they do, it's called Heroes Week. Um, so we they've already reached out to me. And it looks like the Mets are going to put us on the schedule again with their double-A team. Uh, we've kind of gotten away from them for a couple of years. And then there's three or four that, you know, that we, we, we'll do another camp in Rochester, New York. We had a big camp this past year in Rochester. Um, Hickory, North Carolina wants us back. Uh, that's one of the first camps that I want to get funded. And so as soon as I get some partners, you know, connected in, uh, we'll definitely be reaching out to them. And, and getting camps, that's not the issue. Getting enough funding to fund all the camps, that's the bigger issue. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Yeah, I imagine you know getting the camp scheduled and getting people to attend is the easier part of that. Such yes, a great actually, it's actually I have a trouble of trying not to get it overloaded. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, Keep it under the radar I'm... just enough. <laughs> It's like, don't do too many Facebook posts because then all of a sudden I'm, I'm having to say, uh, you know, it's filled up and I, I don't like saying that, you know, I, I really don't. But I've had to do that in the past. Um, the first problem we had with that was years ago. It was like our second or third year with the Binghamton Mets camp. And now they're the Rumble Ponies, but still the double A Mets. And they were we were supposed to keep the camp to 40 participants because that's what the team wanted. And. I literally had 50 people sign up in a day on my announcement. And so I went to the general manager and he goes, no problem. Let's just, let's just let people in. And so I didn't make any more announcements and I still got like 80 to sign up. Wow. And with no more announcements. So, I mean, I'm, of course that's 80 t-shirts. That's a hundred t-shirts now. And I think I ordered a hundred t-shirts for that event, but I'm feeding everybody. They all get free tickets. You know, Dave Clark is flying up for that event and, you know, we're trying to, you know, scheduling hotels, you know, all this, all the things that people don't realize you have to, to do to make these kind of events happen. 
And then we had a whole group of people, 20, a, a group of people, 20 of them come unannounced. Oh, no. And I'm like, so every T-shirt I had got wiped out, um, you know, but it was a good problem. But it was the first time I was like, OK, can we even do this many people, you know, with limitations? And it was a fabulous event. And I just thought we had to think differently as far as how to spread people out and do our drills and use the whole field and spread the spread the players out and get more volunteers and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, but it was a good it was a learn by fire kind of lesson where it's like, OK, now we can do 80 to 100 you know, 120 participants and families. And, and so that became kind of more of the norm before COVID. Getting... So let's, so let's talk about that, that growth for yourself as, as a director and, and obviously camps are the focus, but yet there's all these other things that are, that are attractive. How do you keep the focus? <laughs> How do you drop back to the focus, especially after Not easy. the last two years? Yeah, it's totally the last two years. I, you know, I try, I try not to be negative about it because, you know, one of the things is, okay, yeah, it happened. I don't like the way it happened. Um, Dave and I, you know, when I say Dave, Dave Clark and I, and Dave Stevens was a part of it some. Uh, we were, you know, we were doing speaking events. People were calling us, you know, and paying us, you know, so it was a part of our revenue to support the camps and support our families um, and sell books and sell honey and sell all the stuff that we, we created to, um, to raise money, to support these camps and to make contacts. And, you know, 2020 came around and we were on a roll. Uh, we, we were signing a movie deal, you know, all these things that were happening and all of a sudden, boom, uh, poof, they shut every movie theater down. Speaking events went to zero. Uh, most of our places that we were able and had relationships to set up and sell our products uh we were shut out from not just us but anybody and so we had to really figure out you know so every day every week was different it's like what do i do now what do i do now and i literally map out okay what are we going to do now what are we going to do now and it kept changing and um you know meeting people asking questions meeting people like josh tapp that i mentioned earlier it's okay what would you do you know you're you're a 30, you know, young 30 year old, 20, 20, late 20, whatever you are, you're old, you do things are different now. What would you do? You know, and so getting advice from people that are in a, a different uh, mindset than somebody that was able to make good money in the 90s and 2000s, it's different now. And so learning from those people that are more inept to this, the current climate, I guess. And podcasting is just one of those things that we're doing. Uh, now looking for sponsors because we're getting enough revenue or enough listeners to get our podcast uh, monetized. Um, and so I've got some big, big names coming on our podcast uh, that most people couldn't get, you know, on their podcast. And so um, we, we now need to monetize that. But the target for us is still how do we run more sports camps for kids with limitations? That's the bullseye. Yes. Yeah, so every time you decide or think about, you know, should we do this or that? It's, you know, what's the most beneficial for the camps? Correct. Whether it's a speaking event, a movie deal, a book we write, uh, my children's book, which of course is pretty fabulous. If you guys want to get another plug for my. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, a pound of kindness. It's a wonderful true story of Dave Clark. We share it so often. I, I almost, I'm almost scared to share it because that somebody's going to say, Oh, I've heard that again. I've heard that again, but most people have never heard the story. And, and even if they have, they won't remember it. No, it's they remember this story. 
yeah this this is one of those stories where people remember it it's uh, it's so powerful it's a simple act of kindness and um yeah they remember it and so but it doesn't get old you know it's kind of like listening to your favorite music artist if billy joel ever went to a concert and didn't do the piano man right people would be like seriously upset but how many times has a fan of billy joel heard the piano man not enough not exactly. enough so i think so of it we, like casey at the bat every time you you it's still it's still readable every time you you open it back up because it just even though you know what's going to happen so are, are you familiar with the story that i'm referring to that's in my I children's not. book so i guess i have to share it since you right. never heard it so if you can go back to a young dave clark when he was in first grade so again he's the polio survivor he's the kid that's different he's he's only five foot two as an adult walking with crutches and braces so shrink that down to a six-year-old. He's shorter. He's slower. He's he's awkward. He, you know, he walks like Frankenstein. So when he goes to first grade, he he tells people this was the first time he was made to feel different. Mm. You know, when he grew up in the neighborhood, his parents, his brothers, his younger brothers, you know, they kind of treated him just like everybody else. So that's what he was kind of used to. Goes to first grade. Now he's the Frankenstein. He's the different kid. And his first grade teacher announced a field trip where the whole class would be walking together, but five blocks away to the local fire hall. And so all of a sudden this six-year-old has got two weeks as he remembers it to dread this event. He's going to get left behind. He's going to hold the class up. He's got all this anxiety being poured on this little six-year-old self. So much so when the day of the event comes, he tries to do the I'm sick thing with his parents. But his mom's old school. She, you know, she knows better. He's his cough is not a real cough. And so he's off to school. And so with all this pressure of anxiety of being left behind and being treated poorly by the bullies, he goes to the back of the line and he thinks this is going to be the worst day of his life. And a classmate of his, his name is Ernie Pound. Ernie had brought his radio flyer wagon to school that day to pull it. And Dave simply never forgot it. You know, that little, little act of kindness. And so when Dave wrote a book about his life story called the Dave Clark story, Diamond in the Rough, the Dave Clark story, in chapter two, you kind of get a heartbeat of Dave Clark because he thanked the people that helped pull him along or helped him in his life. And he told that story. And so here I'm reading the story, rereading it actually in my office years ago. I was helping Dave organize book signings in the area here. And this is in upstate New York and Corning, New York, where Dave grew up. And so I'm rereading that story in the book form because I had read it when it was a manuscript, you know, different things like that. And I'm just rereading it. I'm in my office and I'm like, I get the goosebumps every time I read the story. Literally, you know, got a child born with no arms. You know, what would my son do? He was only like one and a half, two years old. You know, when I met Dave, he's probably seven or eight during this time. And it got me. And so I wound up going to the phone book. That's how old, long ago this was. And finding an Ernst Pound in the phone book. And had that awkward phone call. He's probably seeing Merrill Lynch on his caller ID back then. And he doesn't want to talk to me. And I, I said, hey, I'm looking for an Ernie Pound that grew up in Corning, New York. Because this is about 45 minutes away. You know, I don't know if he's, I'm talking to his dad. I don't know, if, you know, I don't know who, if it's anybody. Well, it was him. And he remembered the wagon. 
didn't remember Dave, didn't know Dave, didn't go to school with Dave. His family had left the area after first grade. Wow. So Dave and he, I'm finding out, hadn't even seen each other since first grade. But Dave Clark never forgot it and thanked him in his book. Ernie comes to a book signing, make a long story short. He winds up putting a book underneath Dave's nose and says, sign this one to Ernie Pound. And Dave breaks down. I mean, it just got so emotional, you know, that day. And so I brought these two men together. And now I didn't know at the time that I was going to be traveling around sharing these stories with Dave and all those kind of things, writing children's books. And we, in honor of Ernie, we call this one a pound of kindness, which is available on our pullingeotherlong.com uh, website. And, um, you know, and, and we were sharing that story. And, and everywhere we went, that story just had major impact. And it didn't matter if it was fifth graders or grand people, grandchildren, you know, you know, whatever, grandparent type age. Uh, it just affected people because it, it's that good Samaritan story of today, you know, and that's Ernie Pound. And he helped out my, my friend Dave. And so when we started sharing that story at keynote speeches, Dave could hardly ever share it without breaking down and crying. And so I've got video of him in California at the Museum of Glass and Corning down in Florida. You know, we clipped all that together and we have a one minute video where you can watch Dave share the story I just shared with you and then watch the reunion. And even though you know it's coming, have your Kleenexes ready. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impactful. I mean, regardless of where you're at and who you are, that that's going to get you. Right. And so that's kind of been the catalyst, you know, Dave sharing these stories, thanking people. And and he thanked other people, I actually brought them together with his, his phys ed teacher. And that got emotional, too. Um, from from second from third grade, actually, we pinned it down to third grade. Dave would always say second or third grade because he wasn't sure. But then we pinned it down to third grade. He had a he had a brand new gym or phys ed teacher, I should say. Basically, changed his life. And this man's still living. And uh, I brought him together and Dave together several years ago at another very emotional reunion. And uh, we have an award that we give away. It's now called the Pulling Each Other Along Award. We'd been given that away for years, and we look for those unsung heroes that are helping those, specifically helping those in the disability world, although it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be that. It can be somebody helping anybody, uh, but a lot of our award winners are somebody that has helped somebody in the disability community, disability world, and it's really fun for us to give out that award, you know, because we're honoring somebody that usually gets no recognition for a kind act that they've done, and Part of my hope is as, as this brand or whatever you want to call it grows, this movement or whatever it is grows, is that we get people sharing, hey, you know what? You pulled me along and thank you. You pulled me along. Thank you. I even created a, I even created a thank you card that says thanks for pulling me along that you can get on our website. And, you know, and I give that out to people that buy my books now and I just give it to them and say, hey, go thank somebody that pulled you along. So, I mean, obviously gratitude is, is a huge part of Dave Clark's story. And, and, and now you've taken that gratitude to, to a whole nother level that in not just thanking the people in the, in the book, but actually bringing them back face to face to, to express, express his gratitude. Um, I mean, that's powerful. I mean, gratitude in itself is, is, is a superpower when you practice it just for yourself. And I think expressing gratitude in, a, in that public way um, it is super meaningful. And, and so, you know, the fact that Dave practices it, the fact that 
that you've extended it to, to an even bigger idea of, you know, that this level of gratitude, I, I think that's so valuable. Yeah. I, I mean, it really is. And it's so much needed right now. You mm. know, if, if people <laughs> read the pulling each other along stories that we have and learn from these people and learn, you know, when they hit that brick wall, what got them around it. And it can be different things for some people. It could be uh, like, and she, unfortunately she passed away, but Audie Angel is a, a young, well, she's just passed away with cancer, but she was, when she was 20 some years old, she was getting signed by Sony as a singer, dancer, all those kind of things and whack car accident, paralyzed. And how does she rebound? She rebounded because of her love of dance. And, um, and she wanted to start dancing and she, she, she danced in her wheelchair and she's like considered the queen of hip hop wheelchair dancing. And, and she, you know, she made all these different strides. And fortunately we were able to interview her right in the beginning of her cancer struggles and, uh, and to write a chapter in her book. And so that's just one example of somebody that it wasn't necessarily a person or place or thing, you know, that, or it wasn't a person or that pulled her along. It was her love of dance that that motivation that internal thing that just was god given to her and it pulled her along and then she pulled a lot of other people along because of her spirit and her her dancing to other people and there's there's still i was just down at a convention in miami and there's all these people that loved audi and they were still doing you know this wheelchair dancing things at disabilities expo and they still do it everywhere they go at these abilities expos and, and a lot of that is because of her spirit of of letting dance pull her along yes. and now sometimes it could be a parent sometimes it can be a child sometimes it can be a friend a stranger that pulls us along uh, and dave stevens's story it's daryl strawberry he talks about who pulled him along and so there's all these different connectors of things that we have and understanding the stories and even sometimes um you know like i had a, a an old teammate of mine i was a senior at the university of georgia on the track team and there's a young man named Teak that was a freshman at the time. And then years later, he, we connect on LinkedIn and he sends me this beautiful note of thanking me for not treating him like a freshman, mm. you know? And it's like, so wow. simple, so simple, but I didn't, I didn't treat, I wanted him to run as fast. I wanted him to, to leave the legacy to, to be a great runner for the university of Georgia. And, and that meant a lot to me that he was willing to send me a note thanking me for not treating him like trash, basically, because that's what freshmen do. Sometimes they get treated like fresh, trash. But I didn't appreciate that when I was a freshman. I didn't want to do that when I was the senior. Hmm. I mean, and we have so much passion in each of us, and we have to encourage that in each other. I mean, sometimes you know, people need that a little bit more than others when they're down or whatnot. But somebody has a dream, and we all have those desires to live more, but we need somebody to water that dream what is the power of having a dream keeps us going even in the tough times you know even things like when uh, the whole world seems to get shut down because of the response to covid and and um you know i don't know how this dream kind of instilled in me but uh, when i first met dave clark and i'm thinking this story should be told obviously my entrepreneurial blood was flowing saying hey man this should be a movie deal all those kind of things but it goes so so much beyond that if um you know if you get to see one of the videos from our camps that dave dave and i do and you get to see a little boy that's in a walker and dave stevens is having a catch with him and if you haven't seen this video it's pretty special 
you, Dave Stevens having a catch with him. The little boy catches a ball thrown to him two feet away by Dave Stevens. And he catches that ball. And you would think he had just won the World Series. His hands are jumping up and down. He's like, I can catch. You know, I can catch. And he is so excited because of that little, little thing of just Dave Stevens taking the time to throw him a ball and him catching it. And so that's just like one instance. I can go on and on and on and on sure. uh, with instances at our sports camps of kids like that, having that experience. I've seen kids literally hit a ball two inches, jumping up and down because they thought that they hit a home run. And I'm like, that's great. Because if that's what they think is a home run and they want to celebrate that they hit that ball three inches, that is wonderful to me. And then you see the kids improve. You know, we had one boy that didn't even want to participate in his first camp. And all he did with another professional athlete who became a fairly well-known MLBer, um, basically all they did was roll a ball back and forth for the whole camp, wow. sitting on the ground. That's all the kid wanted to do. He was deaf and Down syndrome. Hmm. Now he comes to my camps. He's hitting home runs that are going over the fence. He's got a, the sweet swing. He's got a beautiful spirit. There's a whole other story with, with Billy and Ben. You know, and it's just those little things that keeps those dreams of being able to create more moments like that. That keeps me going, even when the, you know, the pocketbook is thin. Instilling the value into these kids that don't feel like they have any. Right. Well, and the, and the power of borrowed belief, right? Yeah. Believing in somebody who doesn't believe in themselves or hasn't had the chance or the opportunity to, to believe that this is possible. Correct. And so yeah. when, when I get to introduce the Dave Stevens and a Dave Clark, and for those that might be listening that don't know who Dave Clark is, he's the only professional baseball player that ever played on crutches. He had a 10-year career. He's played over in the Swedish major leagues. He coached in the Olympics, coached for the Atlanta Braves, owned his own team. It's, it goes, it's crazy. He played ice hockey in college even though he couldn't skate. That's my one Dave. Then you get my other Dave who played baseball, football, and wrestled in high school and college with born with no legs. Um, two-time state champion wrestler, went on to ESPN for 20 years, has seven Emmys. Now he's a motivational speaker, motivating other people. Still doesn't have those legs, but has a huge spirit. And a, and, a, and so when I get to present a Dave or a Dave or even both of them at one of my camps, they're able to share the stories that I really can't. I mean, I have all my limbs. I Yes, I have a son that was born with neither arm, but I'm, quote, able-bodied. And um, those guys, they're not. And so when they share and say, dream and do it, and the parents get to see that and the caregivers get to see that and the kids get to actually not just dream, but do it and play on a field and, and get to hit a ball and get to swing the bat and get to hit off a tee and all the little things that they get to do, these little skills that we take for granted, um, they get to be inspired toward who knows what their dream's going to be. But we want them to follow that dream as, as far and high as they can. And when they get to hear these two great examples, and we could bring other examples into our camps as well, swimmers and, you know, entrepreneurs, John Cronin, you know, who's got John's crazy socks. He's in my book. You know, he and his dad started a business that sells millions now, millions of socks, because John found out he was pretty darn good at selling socks, even though nobody would give him a job. Now he and his dad have a multi-million dollar sales business selling John's crazy socks. You know, so there's things like that, that we can think differently, rewire our thinking, and, uh, and hopefully go for it. And um, that's what we want to do. Even if they don't make it, it's better to go for it and not make it than to not go for it. Amen. And, and so, um, uh, 
acknowledging that these kids all have their own individual dreams and it's up to the rest of the world to help them acknowledge that and believe it themselves so that it can come out and be, yeah. come to fruition. Well, and, and, and start changing the way we talk, right? Instead of looking at all the things they can't do, start helping people look at the things they can do. It's no different than us able-bodied people that make excuses for the things we can't do and focus on the things we can't do. Our whole culture is just based on all the can't do's instead of, Hey, let's figure out what you can do. Maybe you can sell socks and let's give that a shot. Right. Maybe you can hit a ball. Maybe you can throw a ball. Let's, let's find out what you can do. Right. And, and that's, and, that's exactly what our camps are all about. It's, it's not focusing on what they can't do. And you know, they, we might not have somebody with uh, significant limitations be the next Dave Clark in baseball. But again, if we can inspire them to be something in music or something like there's this young girl that's come to our camps for years. Uh, her name is Sarah. And she just sang the national anthem at one of the, at the, one of the bowl games, one of the major bowl games in Nashville. Awesome. And, nice. and she was singing the national anthem at one of our camps 10 years ago. Nice. You know, beautiful, beautiful voice. She's now in, uh, she's in college. She's studying music. She's, you know, she's got her own music career. She's getting known. And, uh, you know, and I was able to share that on our D three day Facebook page. And, you know, that, uh, you know, I have a little, I have a picture of her like 10 years old singing the national anthem at our camp. And I'd probably have video of it as well somewhere. And, uh, and now she's singing at one of the major, you know, I think it was, uh, the music bowl or the music, whatever it was in Nashville or right. something. So, Beautiful. um, you know, so it's things like that where she, she didn't let her ability not to see um she's a girl that's blind but she had a beautiful voice and her oh, parents yeah. were able to nurture her that and, and guide her in that direction and not hold her back and and uh and now she's she's singing you know and she's always been singing she's a beautiful beautiful young soul all right doug tell us what the big dream is for d3 day the big dream is to get our revenues way up so that we can be managing this and having d3d camps all over the country um, and I would have representatives like a Dave Clark, a Dave Stevens, a John Cronin, a Sarah Hardwick, all of these different people that we can now have as representatives. And uh, the big dream would be to be doing hundreds of these camps all over the country, um, giving kids an opportunity to not just play baseball in the big picture. It can be hockey. It can be business. It can be singing. So it can be disability doing track and field, all of the different events, getting that funding, you know, where it was headed pre-COVID, but now digging deep and getting it much bigger and having that uh, that much bigger funding so that people can realize they don't have to just dream, they can dream and do. That's so fantastic. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing so many fantastic stories and inspiring. I mean, I'm clearly inspired and and definitely want to to do our part to share the message and uh, and hopefully get our business to a place where we can sponsor a camp and, and be a part of, of what you guys are doing. This episode is brought to you by intentional decisions that lead to massive success. No, those aren't companies promoting our show. They're qualities that you need to build your business and take control of your life. So to help you out, I'm offering my most popular worksheets to help you plan the future you want and audit your calendar today. The best way to get what you want is to know what it is and start making sure that your calendar matches. You can download them free today at addvaluemindset.com. If you will take action by just completing these two activities, 
They will change your life and business. I promise you a new level of results in the coming year. The problem is that we make things so complicated and we lose focus on what is really important. These tools will help you refocus on what matters most. When you align your passion with your purpose in your work, you can be happier and start doing the things you wanted to in the first place, like spending more quality time with the kids. To get your free copy of the tools to start tackling your busy schedule, go to addvaluemindset.com. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share, share, share. In our next episode, Summer Slevin shares with Robert how she went from working as a virtual executive assistant to a passionate entrepreneur. She uses the tools she created working with successful leaders to become a successful entrepreneur herself. Now she's empowering others to build and scale successful online businesses.